Well, good evening. Good to see all of you out this evening. We're glad that you're here with us, and we're glad to have some visitors from my past. I haven't seen y'all in a long time. I think the last time you were here, I was sick. So uh, I'm glad that I'm able to see you tonight. I'm glad to have you with us. I'll go ahead and say before I get started, because I'll forget if I don't, uh, next week our one-word study is going to skip a little bit. We're going to go to the word mother. I figured that would be a good one for next week. So we're going to skip to the word mother. And uh, you can study those for next Sunday evening. But we are doing our one-word series tonight. And tonight's word is forgiveness. This is something that we spent actually a great deal of time on. I'll use some of the thoughts from our Bible class from a couple of months ago. But as we look at the word forgiveness, what does it actually mean to forgive or to be forgiven? There are certain ways that forgiveness is described in Scripture. And I want to look at at least a few of those. I want to look at some verses and we'll look at the words that are used there uh, in the original language and try to understand a little bit about what forgiveness is as we introduce the thoughts of our lesson tonight. The first passage is in Exodus 34 and verse 9. And the Hebrew word used, and I don't speak Hebrew or Greek, so uh, I probably won't pronounce these exactly right. But the Hebrew word that is used is kalach, C-A-L-A-C-H. And in Exodus 34 and verse 9, the way that forgiveness is used here, it says, Then he said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let, me, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Moses asked that God not treat them the way they deserve. And something that I want you to notice that is particular to this verse. Notice the phrases, go among us and pardon our iniquity. That the relationship with God has been changed. That it is not what it was. And so they are asking him. So Moses is asking him to go among them, to pardon their iniquity. He's asking God to reverse those changes that have been made and return the relationship to what it once was. And as we look at forgiveness and how it is used here, forgiveness is at least part of restoring the relationship. In Matthew 26, in verse 28, the Greek word that is used here is aphesis. A-P-H-E-S-I-S. And in Matthew 26, 28, it says this. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. We understand here that the blood of Christ makes it possible for us to avoid punishment. Through His blood we are justified just as if I'd never sinned. 
as if our sins had never been committed. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 32, the Greek word here is charizomai. C-H-A-R-I-D-Z-O-M-A-I. And Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiveness is a granting of grace, as is the forgiveness of God. Something that we realize in our relationship with God is that we can never earn the forgiveness that is granted us. But it is given nonetheless. And in Luke 6 and verse 37, the Greek word used here is apoluo. A-P-O-L-U-O. Luke 6, 37, it says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. This forgiveness represents a release from debt owed. If we forgive debts, we will also be forgiven of our own debts. And similarly, Apoluo and Aphemi, uh, another alliteration of the word that we used previously, they're both used in the parable of the unforgiving servant. And we'll look at that in a little while. But Matthew 18 and verse 27, Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released Apoluo, him, and forgave Aphemi, him, the debt. So these words are used in different ways, but they give us an idea of sort of what forgiveness is from a biblical standpoint. Hopefully I didn't confuse you too much. Now as we move to our first point in our lesson, we want to define forgiveness. How do we define forgiveness? The first thing that we're going to do is look at what forgiveness is. And again, a lot of these thoughts come from our study previously. But hopefully putting them all together will, will help us in our understanding of forgiveness. And then after we look at what forgiveness is, we'll also look at what forgiveness is not. First of all, forgiveness is based on three things. First of all, acceptance that we have wronged someone. Admitting our wrong. That's one of the first steps toward being forgiven. If we cannot accept the fact that we have wronged someone, forgiveness cannot be completed. It cannot be possible between the offended and the offender. It doesn't matter whether or not you say, I'm sorry, if you don't realize that you've done anything wrong. That's something that we try to teach our preschoolers quite a bit. And don't know that we ever really get that message across. But it's not just about saying, I'm sorry, but it's about understanding that we have done wrong. 
I know our preschoolers, the way that we handle it, you know, we would say, you know, say you're sorry. And a lot of times we'll get, I'm sorry. But you know, they never really understood that they had done anything wrong, maybe. That they maybe weren't really sorry. You can kind of tell by the way they say it. And sometimes you say, now say it like you mean it. doesn't matter if you apologize if you don't understand that you've done something wrong. So we have to admit. We have to accept the fact that something has been done that has been offending to someone. Another thing that forgiveness is based on is confession. Confession of wrongdoing to the person or persons that we have wronged. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we have sinned against someone, we have to admit it within us, but we also have to admit it to them. Confess that we have done something wrong so that we can't ask for forgiveness. And there's a third thing that's involved in forgiveness that is very important. Uh, aside from acceptance or admittance and confession, there's also a need for repentance. A change in behavior. Commitment to avoiding the same transgression in the future. We understand that repentance is required for God's salvation. And the most common way that we understand repentance. Acts 2 and verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Repentance. It's a change of heart, a change of direction. John and Jesus came initially with the message of repentance for the Jews. And without their repentance, they could not be forgiven by God for their transgressions. They needed to repent. They needed to turn back to Him. That was their message. So we understand that these three things are very important in regard to repentance. Acceptance, confession, and repentance. Something else that we understand forgiveness to be. Forgiveness is based on our own forgiveness of others. And we'll spend a little more time on this one later. But let's notice what we use as our scripture reading. Matthew chapter 6 and beginning with verse 9. And reading through verse 15. In this manner, therefore pray. And this is Jesus speaking to His disciples. He's teaching them how to pray. We often refer to this as the Lord's Prayer. But it's more of a model prayer for us. Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in Heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and Forgive us our debts as we forgive our 
debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In verse 14, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. In order to be granted forgiveness by God, we must be forgiving. And forgiving is more than just an offer, but it must also be received. Stephen offered forgiveness before his death, as we read in Acts chapter 7 and verse 60. But only those who were willing to accept it were actually forgiven. So it's more than, than me going to someone and saying, I forgive you. They have to also accept it for it to be full forgiveness. Otherwise, you just made the offer. And in Stephen's case, he died. But he put it out there. He, he gave them the opportunity to be forgiven, to forgive them if they were willing to be forgiven. So he offered, and those who were willing to accept were forgiven. And it's the same way that, that we look at Jesus on the cross. He also offered forgiveness to those who crucified him. Luke 23 and verse 34. But it wasn't forgiveness unless it was received. And not all who crucified him, and not all today, accept that forgiveness. But Jesus has offered it. And we have the ability to be forgiven if we accept that forgiveness through obedience to the plan of salvation. <clears throat> now, there are some things that forgiveness is not. Some things that we misunderstand in our society today. There are many ways that we use the word forgiveness that the Bible doesn't really teach. So, first of all, forgiveness is not the same as forbearance. Though we may tolerate certain behaviors that offend us, it does not mean that we have forgiven the individual who has wronged us. We simply tolerate those things, but it's not forgiveness. Forbearance is about weighing the actions of another with the balance of love, wisdom, and discernment. In Proverbs 12 and verse 16, it says a fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. Proverbs 19 11, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. 1 Peter 4 and verse 8, and above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. It's not wrong to forbear someone. It's not wrong to, to bear with them in the actions that, that may be offensive. But it's not forgiveness either. So we have to be careful how we define it. Forgiveness is also not an elimination 
of consequences. For example, one who is serving time in jail still has to pay his debt to society, if you will, regardless of whether he is forgiven by those he has wronged or God. It doesn't matter. He still has to pay that debt. He still has to face the consequences of his actions. And especially the, the consequences that may follow his actions. If he were to, to hurt or to kill someone, he has to face those consequences for the rest of his life. So when we look at forgiveness, just because we have been forgiven doesn't mean that those consequences are taken away. Now there are, are certain consequences that we notice in Scripture. One that we notice are natural consequences. At least one type of, of these consequences. Proverbs chapter 6 and verses 27 through 29. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who gives in to his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. There are certain natural consequences that come along with certain wrong. And those consequences are not taken away. We also have the consequences that we mentioned earlier as discipline. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Hebrews 12 and verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with son. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not son. I remember as a child there were things that I did wrong. And when I did wrong, I was punished for them. Believe it or not, I wasn't perfect. And I understand now especially. I remember one instance in particular of my dad. He was getting ready to spank me. And I remember him saying these words. Son, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it hurts you. I was like, you're right. I don't understand that at all. How can that be? How can I hurt him more when he's hurting me? I understand now. He loved me. And so he's correcting something that I did wrong. I don't remember what I did wrong. But I did something. Something that earned it. And it's the same way with God. When we are chastened by God. We have to understand that when we are disciplined by Him, it's only because He loves us. 
He wants us to turn away from, from what we've done wrong. We are His children. If He disciplines us. So, forgiveness is not an elimination of consequences. We still have to face the consequences of our actions. But in the midst of those consequences, we can still be forgiven. Forgiveness is not forgetting. And this is something that is also misunderstood. Though the sin may not be completely forgotten, it is not remembered against us. Romans chapter 8 verses 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And scriptures say that God forgets. I believe it. It doesn't mean that He has completely forgotten. As we look at many cases in scripture that are recorded... God remembers what those people did, although He did forgive them. That's the same way with us. But I do believe that whenever God does remember them, He doesn't remember them against us. They are taken out of the way. And He no longer condemns us for those things that we have been forgiven of. And it's likewise with us today in our relationships. How often have you forgiven someone and forgotten what they did? You know, we don't completely forget. But we don't use those things that have been forgiven against our fellow man. And I think that's, that's what that means. So it's not necessarily about forgetting what has been done but forgiving in such a way as to no longer hold those things in a condemning way against individuals who have wronged us. And in the same way with our relationship with God, He no longer condemns us. And, and finally, as it is connected with forgetting, forgiveness is not a restoration of trust. At least not automatically. As with any relationship, once a trust is violated, the offender must work hard to regain that trust from the one who was offended. I can tell you as from a child, whenever I did something that was wrong, and maybe I lied about it, it's, it's hard to regain that trust. I had to happen this week. I had a little girl in our class. And I'll tell you, she's one of my favorites, you know. But Anyway, she, she did something, and she, it, I'll just tell you the incident, okay? She, there's a little toy that we had, and, and she had it, and the little boy comes over and says, it's mine. And she said, no, it's mine. So what we ended up doing is put it on a shelf and waited until one of the parents came in. The boy's parents come in, and I asked him about it, and Dad's like, yeah, he got that a couple of days ago. Okay. So I talked to her mom. I thought, well, maybe it's a common toy. Maybe she had one too. Mom didn't remember it. So I was like, okay. That means she, she told me something that wasn't true. Broke my heart. And 
in that relationship with me and her, the next time that she says something, it's going to be hard for me to trust her. It's going to be hard for me to believe that she's telling me the truth because she has violated that trust between us. Broke my heart. But as we look at this trust, we can have forgiveness. And as far as my relationship with her, I can forgive her. But that doesn't mean that I'm automatically going to trust her. It's going to take a little while for her to earn that trust from me once again. And as we look at, at defining forgiveness, I, I don't see how we could define it outside of God's forgiveness. God is always ready and willing to forgive those who are willing to be forgiven. Though He requires our acceptance, confession, and repentance, He stands ready to do His part always. He's offered us forgiveness through His Son. And if we accept that forgiveness, then He is always willing to forgive. And when we have experienced forgiveness, He asks, no, He commands us. He commands us to be forgiving of others. And that leads us to our second point. Forgiven because we forgive. And we spent a great deal of time studying the unforgiving servant. I want you to turn for a moment to Matthew chapter 18. Let's look at this and what we can learn about forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18 Verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me. I will pay you all. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion. Because as we'll notice in a moment, there was no way that he could pay all that debt. But he was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. And verse 28, But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. He would not. But went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. And then his master, verse 32, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also 
have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Verse 35, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Let's look at the money for a moment. One denarius is equal to a day's wage. It takes 6,000 denarii to equal just one talent. Now just to put that in proportion, the first servant owed his master 10,000 talents. Which if I calculated correctly, is equal to 60 million denarii. The second servant, on the other hand, owed the first 100 denarii. Only a fraction of what had been forgiven by the master. Just a fraction. The fellow servants easily noticed that a great wrong had been committed here. They were able to see the wrong done against the second servant and they reported it to their master who punished the servant who was unwilling to forgive. The moral of the story is summed up in verse 35. We are forgiven our trespasses against God. And very similarly to the first servant, our transgressions against God are greater than we can pay. What we owe God is greater than we can pay. But we are forgiven. We are released from our debt to Him. Now as we are forgiven, our trespasses against God we may have those fellow servants if you will that owe a much less debt than what we owe to God and we are commanded to be forgiven to forgive them when they wrong us Jesus on the cross Luke 23 verses 33 through 34 and when they had come to the place called Calvary there they crucified him and the criminals one on the right hand and the other on the left then Jesus said Father forgive them for they do not know what they do. Words of mercy. Words of grace. Father, forgive them. And just as he was speaking of those who put him on the cross physically, he was speaking of those of us 
who put him on the cross from a spiritual standpoint because it was my sin just as much as it was your sin caused him to go. We have been given a tremendous blessing in the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus suffered and died on the cross so that we might be forgiven and released from the chains of sin that once bound us. Now, as we mentioned earlier, forgiveness requires acceptance. Acceptance of the fact that we have done wrong and acceptance of forgiveness. To accept His forgiveness, we must admit that we have sinned against Him. Romans 3 and verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We must obey the gospel plan of salvation. Peter told the church on the day of Pentecost, the people who would make up the church, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If we have obeyed the gospel repentance, confession of Christ, and baptism, we may return to Him in repentance, such as the prodigal son did in Luke chapter 15. We see the Father was waiting for Him. When He saw Him coming, He ran to meet Him. Though we have sinned against Him, God never, ever abandons His love for us. He is always ready to welcome us home. As we have been forgiven by God, we are commanded to forgive others. This is not just about deciding in every single situation that comes up whether or not we're going to forgive someone. That's not what it's about. But it's about our attitude. It's about who we are. It's about uh, what we do. Not just on an occasional basis, but something that, that is already a part of who we are. He wants us to have the attitude of forgiveness. And to do so almost without thinking about it. You know, it's not something that we should deliberate with ourselves whether I'm going to forgive this person or I'm not going to forgive this one, but have a forgiving attitude. Forgive without counting. Don't, don't count someone's trespasses. Seventy times seven. Who's going to count? Seventy times seven. The point was not the number, but it was about the attitude. Have an attitude of forgiveness. So we realize that we are forgiven and as we realize that we are forgiven we become a forgiving people. 
And it's so important to the Christian attitude. It's, it's what God wants. If you're not obeyed the gospel, tonight would be an excellent time to do so. To come in obedience. If you've got something in your life that is standing between you and God, you have the opportunity to repent. To rededicate your life to Him. Ask for prayers. Ask for forgiveness for something that you've done. We are your church family. We love you and care for you. And we'll be glad to help you in any way that we can. If maybe you realize that you're not the forgiving person that you ought to be, maybe there's something that, that you need to change in your life. Something that you realize that you can't take care of on your own. We always offer an invitation. But it's a very special occasion. You may not have another opportunity like you do tonight. So if you need to come in obedience or repentance, if there's something we can do to help you, please come as we stand and as we sing.